Is that Greg or is that Greg? Uh, it's both. Sorry, it's go. both of them. God. <laughs> hey, bad, everybody. Go Welcome to the Riley Live Movie Review Podcast, Episode 2. I am your host, Riley, joined today by a special guest. You probably don't know him or love him, but hopefully you will soon. Random Candor. Hello. Hello, everybody here at the Riley Streams riley and friends show it's very nice to be here big fan of riley solid dude and let us talk about this amazing work of fiction possibly i think it might be real based on a true story but let's get into it <laughs> oh is this based on a true story <laughs> did this happen <laughs> yeah, well I'm, I'm canadian you you don't know about our culture there's many many such cases pixar is known for its documentary films i think it's true i love nemo most <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a really good undersea documentary. Yeah, P. Sherman is still seething. So, folks, uh, we're talking about uh, the new Pixar release, Turning Red, and uh, I will actually do the summary this time because I'm not going to be a lazy fuck and make my guests do it again. Um, so, Thank uh, God. Tur- Turning Red is a film uh, where a young girl, a uh, young girl of Chinese heritage named Mei Mei, who lives in Chinatown, Canada. This exists, correct? Yeah, there well, is a okay, Chinatown okay. So in Canada. We don't, we don't have a single Chinatown for all of Canada, Riley. We actually are a country, but uh, in Toronto, there is a Chinatown area. Got it. And I guess like she has like some temple that's in that area, but yeah, it's definitely all feasible, all above board. Okay, so yeah, they they live in Chinatown in Canada uh, with her strict mother and her. Uh, uh, mild-mannered father, um, and she has these three eccentric uh, girlfriends at school, and they're kind of—they're thirteen. They're all coming of age. They're getting into boys. They're getting into hip-hop music, and the movie is sort of a coming-of-age story. But the twist is uh, that Mei Mei has this secret spiritual thing that runs down her blood from generation to generation, where when experiencing strong emotion, she turns into a red panda, and. Uh, the movie is about her dealing with that fact whilst, um, whilst you know, coming of age and stuff. And also she's preparing for this big ritual to get the red panda spirit out. And she starts uh, hustling uh, the panda for money. It, it's all this fun her little words. movie. Her uh, words. <laughs> yes, her words. Uh, <laughs> uh, not not a bad also, way. I could also confirm, I think in the States they have something called the period fairy. Here in Canada we do have the red panda. So it's it's all it's all canon it's all canon and hello here's underscore john cena Uh, so just to explain how the chat worked because we literally had no chat last time uh so i didn't get to explain my thought process of approaching chat um (laughs) uh, is i'm not going to read literally everything in chat uh, because that would make the podcast unlistenable but if i see something interesting about the movie or something like a question i want to answer in general i will attribute it to who said it and i will say it and we'll talk about it there we um, go. So there you go. Um, so, yeah, that's basically what the movie's about. Uh, so let's start talking about our opinions on this movie now. I already have sort of a general idea of how Candor feels about this film, because uh, I logged yeah. into Twitter.com earlier, and I, I see that you said it was, quote, hard to get through. Uh, so why don't you tell us why? Okay. 
To, to be fair, I sent that tweet maybe five minutes through the movie, and I don't know if you agree. The first five <laughs> minutes were fucking rough. The first five minutes were rough mm. as a motherfucker. Yeah, there there was there were some charming parts, but most of it was rough. It was like I I don't doubt there are definitely some laugh out loud moments in this uh, movie, partially because of the cringe, um, but uh, and the fact that I was drawing parallels to my girlfriend who is Chinese Canadian Chinese Canadian and has a similar dynamic with her mother uh about it but it was fucking rough man the the first five minutes were like it made it seem like okay twitter actually does know what this movie is and it was encapsulated and maybe i should just give up right here but you know your obligation to the stream tonight carried me through that is that is more than fair you see for me when i came into this film right i was expecting it to be terrible because everything I've heard about it pointed to it being terrible. Mm -hmm. But I was oddly charmed. I, I came to really love this film as I continued Whoa. to watch it. That's that strong wording. I, I do. I think I love this film. I think this might be... I have not seen a lot of Pixar. There are oh many, many God. Pixar movies I have not seen. Be careful. But I think Be careful with this the next is, words, Riley. <laughs> I think this is one of... One of... <laughs> My favorite Pixar movies. I had I had a really good time with it. I don't know what everybody's so uppity about. Why not, Candor? Why don't you give me sort of your rundown of why you think this does not rank above that among the Pixar greats? Okay, so we'll get into some of the specifics kind of as we go through the narrative of the movie and like different uh, scenes and things like that. But overall, like it is very much kind of on the nose for their like 13 year old audience. So of course I don't really fault them for that. And having like a lot of like cringy kind of elements that are realistic to 13 year old life, at least I know of, and probably even more realistic to 13 year old girl uh, life at the time. But the character is just very unlikable to me, to be honest. You didn't like Mei Mei? Absolutely not. Like the first five minutes, she's just like this, like literally annoying. The teacher calls her annoying, <laughs> like a uh, goody two shoes, fucking snitch type of uh, a person that I would definitely not vibe with in that same uh, setting. Uh, but then, yeah, her duality with like, you know, juggling social life and her uh, duty to her mom, who's basically all all the mom has going for her. I can realize that's a pretty resonant theme. But she then she sells out her friends later on without a fucking like second thought, which is definitely not an admirable character trait, and I would argue is not redeemed by the end of the movie. But what do you think about those harps? Uh, so I guess I understand where you're coming from, uh, but I think uh, what you find annoying, I kind of find charming. Like, uh, like I can mm. put myself in a sort of mindset where I'm like, oh, I'm watching cringy 13-year-olds. And I'm just going to have fun with it. And I think this movie was a pretty accurate depiction of cringy 13-year-old girls, if I remember my middle school experience correctly. <laughs> do you remember those type of girls back when you were in middle school? I do. I do remember girls that acted did, very did similarly like to these people? ones. Did you like those yeah. people? Oh yeah, my I did. God. I vibed with them. Maybe we were just di different social circles, different uh, vibes at that time. I was more of a, uh, I was more of the, the evil guy in the, in the, <laughs> actually my girlfriend was saying that like that, I was very much like that, uh, what, like Hispanic, like a Nelly band-aid rocking guy. What are you talking about? 
Tyler, uh, Tyler, yeah. Tyler, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you had a mean exterior, but inside you were just like the others. And that's I wouldn't that even was say Tyler's arc mean. throughout the film. He was also just calling her up for appropriately for being very um, cringe and snitching. And I think he called her a narc at one point, too. And one hilarious part in the first five minutes was he called her a narc. And then she was like, oh, I accept all of those labels. <laughs> I thought that was actually really funny. <laughs> yeah, that was, really, <laughs> that was, really that, that funny. was a laugh out loud moment for me. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Where, what would you give this movie out of 10 right now? Uh, this recency we... bias. Okay, so or or actually we, no for your formatting. If we do that later, then no. Yeah, yeah, no. My format is we do, uh, at the end of the once we're done with everything else, we say our favorite character, favorite scene, and we rate it out of ten. Ah, uh, okay, I get you. Uh, so, but yeah, I think I think there were a lot of really funny scenes in this film. I love that uh, uh, the first act had <laughs> an unreasonable amount of period jokes for a Pixar movie, I think. And yeah. that, that was really amusing. <laughs> it was almost like the, I guess the female version of like the uh, Spider-Man one, like uh, whenever he's doing the webs and shit and then Aunt May's trying to come in and then it's, there's a overt joke about like him just jizzing everywhere <laughs> and like, discovering <laughs> masturbation. The web is it's calm, like the female yeah. equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was cute. <laughs> I, I also think there's another um, analogy here. Uh, 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 I think the kind of normie or the first like filter is, okay, yeah, period, growing up, you know, becoming your own person, separating yourself from your family, exploring social life, stuff like that, romance. But another one is mental illness. Like, I think this is a, a big parable or analogy to like uh, like a first psychotic or manic episode or like even just like borderline uh personality disorder with like um like suicidal uh, thoughts like at one point whenever they discover her her transforming into this um red fox or red panda they take away her bed frame they lock her in the room and stuff like that that is very akin to like a mental health admission so that was quite interesting. Oh. And they're talking about, like, you have to control your emotions. You know, you have to keep the monster inside. All these kind of things. There's an element of that. Yeah, that is sure. a really interesting parallel that you bring up, Kandor. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it was like, I was wondering, like, what the hell? <laughs> like, it, a, lo a lot of stuff, like, the bed, taking away the bed frame, that's very on the nose for, like, a mental health thing. But did they take her shoelaces away? That was no. <laughs> She was in pajamas. I can't say for sure, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she wasn't wearing shoes, but if she was, I don't it, think she would have been able to right. keep the shoelaces. That's correct. I love that. I I got that confirmed that that was real. I always thought that was like an urban legend because like there are a lot of things you hear of as like fact that sound too stupid to be true, and then if you mm -hmm. do research, it turns out they are in fact too stupid to be true. But now the shoelace yeah. thing is real. Uh, because shoelace thing is real. And there, a hundred percent, have been actual like com like successful or Shoe shoelace suicides. suicides. Um, exactly, and the same thing with actually, funnily enough, masks. So some of them have those little metal things that um, cover, like help you adjust to the uh, bridge of your nose. So people have like taken those out and uh, cut themselves or stuff like that. So ah! in, in oh, modern no! times, they remove they remove those metal things from the mask prior to giving them back. Damn, the more shit. you know. 
You know, I found out about the shoelace thing because uh, Demi got institutionalized recently. That is public, by the way. I'm not doxing her kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, she she got institutionalized recently, and she told me, yeah, they did take her shoelaces. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. It's true. How how can you keep those checkerboard vans <laughs> well-fitting? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but other uh, things about this film uh, we want to talk about... Uh, particular scenes any of them stand out to you that you want to have a discussion about yeah well i guess just uh wrapping up kind of what i was talking about the mental health um themes too like they were talking about you Mm -hmm. know she comes back to her friends and she's saying you know there's this thing that like runs in my family like oh shit (laughs) and then also like you know the mom ends up having her own internal monster that she like uh, unveils and has her own like issues with her own mom and like sees parallels and that's why she's so protective of her daughter because of how it worked out with the mom and the grandma and her wanting to kind of keep that under wraps but not telling the daughter about all that kind of stuff which would result in more identify like identification and more relatability between the mom and the daughter but she has reservations about sharing that personal element of her life and her own uh, fallibility because uh, she wants to be that strong tiger mom figure, you know? So the, the, that's just kind of wrapping that up. And then the grandma, like, knowing, you know, this is something that's in our dynasty and we all have it. We have to uh, accept the pros and cons of individuality. And there are strengths in uh, having something special about you, just like there are things to uh, be wary about and monitor. Uh, Yeah, certainly. I think that is a really interesting way to look at the film. That gives me kind of a new perspective on uh, what the writers may have had of meaning behind in certain uh, scenes and stuff. That is really interesting. Uh, But uh, I I wanted to bring up something in chat. Uh, PRPV, that guy who is uh, my good buddy Jack. uh, What's up, Jack? (laughs) There's a couple couple chats for him I want to bring up. First of all... (laughs) I'll do, I'll do the joke one first. Uh, we're all furries. Your great 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 grandpa fucked a red panda. Yep. Many that's, cases. That's the plot of the film. Many cases. <laughs> and the chat I actually wanted to speak about uh, in some way is uh, it. It also starts as a meme. Uh, it's the my favorite Fortress. scene was when Pyro from Team Fortress Two air blasted the ball onto the CalArt girl's face, uh, which brings up the sort of uh, discussion of how people have been comparing this uh, pic- style of Pixar animation in like, uh, uh, the most recent film before this, Luca, and in this one, uh, to the like, Steven Universe uh, CalArts style. And I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Kandor? So I'm not educated in all this um, kind of CalArts. I guess that's the studio or what? Cal yeah, I think, it's like a, I think it's like an art institute or something that like, all these people who made these cartoons went to. And oh, they, like, like maybe similar... California yeah, Institute yeah, yeah. of the Arts or something like that. Okay, well, now so. that you meant, now that you mentioned that, first off, I definitely did. I know there's the meme about all like the jelly mouth kind of or bean mouth whatever uh, thing, but this this girl ha- is the only one with it, right? Like the main character Mimi or Maymay is the only one with that really annoying uh, jelly bean mouth, right? As far as yeah, I, I think tell. the rest of the care, I think all the characters are like fairly unique style wise. It just happens that the main character may share some traits with like the Cal Arts, but like I just think I don't think a Pixar animation can like be generic in that way. Like just because it happens to match up with some of the Cal Arts uh, 
stereotypes does not mean that it's not a really well animated character. I think I think that Mei Mei uh, Mei Mei's design is really good, especially um, when her hair color changes. I like I like Mei Mei with the red hair. I think the aesthetic is very good. Um, I was also I really wondering like... about. Go on. Oh, I, I just really like uh, Mei Mei's character design, and I like most of the other character designs as well. Fair enough. I, I did like the other character designs, and it was very cute to like you know to have like the short Korean fucking like basically like b- Mongolian fucking barbarian <laughs> <laughs> character. And the, the, the girl day. in the friend group that was pretty much feral for most of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I think she was. She was definitely a source of a lot of the laugh out loud moments. Uh, and uh, the Indian girl, as a brown guy myself, you know, I, I cringed at her, but at the same time, she's pretty representative of that kind of uh, not necessarily Indian girl stereotype, but that girl stereotype of being like more dark and like cool and more uh, subdued. And then the the redhead kind of ginger uh, braces girl was really cute too. I, I like that kind of dynamic of the friend group, but I do have to strongly disagree, Riley. I hated the main character design of the person. Um, I didn't like her personality, so that might bleed through too, but that bean mouth was too annoying in a couple of um, uh, sequences. It was really pronounced. One time it was used well, I think when she was like drawing like the like the lover animations with the the shopkeeper. That was really funny when she was like being all like devious <laughs> and shit under the bed. That that was used quite well. But um she uh she looks just even looking at the thumbnail that's in the stream right now, she looks a lot like that Steven Universe guy. Like I don't really watch those uh shows, but I just seen him make this exact pose, that exact same mouth before i can definitely see the parallels with her specific character but not that it necessarily generalizes to the whole movie itself yeah i think i just don't notice as much just because uh pixar 3d animation is a lot more expressive than like an episode of steven universe so it's not as noticeable in this case Um, but i guess looking at the still image i could understand the comparison certainly um Mm. and I did want to say the scene where she's drawing like this the fan art of this <laughs> shop clerk. It's a, this is the most might be one of the most secondhand embarrassment moments I've had in a movie because when when the mother like assumes that this uh, shop yeah. clerk is like grooming her and then bursts mm-hmm. yeah. into the fucking store with all the drawings, it yeah. was so uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> And see, that's why it was, it was at further was more annoying because she, like this girl throughout the whole time could have said any single thing. Yet this is the type of person, not that she's a real person, but the type of person to let someone escalate on on her behalf until it's un, like uncomfortable that she can't stand. And then it's like, oh, well, actually, no, you got the whole wrong idea. Meanwhile, this fucking shopkeeper has like 20 charges against them. And like everyone thinks he's like a pedophile and shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Because that's what would happen in real life, right? I mean, she does try to deny that part initially. Like, uh, the mother asks her, like, did he do these things to you? And she immediately yells, no. The mother just doesn't believe her. (laughs) Mm, Fair enough. But I still, there there Uh, was a role uh, for her to... Go on. I just want to say, Jack, let me know in the chat if you, like, are having trouble hearing us, because I do see frames are skipping, but that's usually only visual, and this stream is a still image, so I think we're fine, but let us know if we're not. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I think, I guess, like, even just taking that first, I guess the first quarter of the movie, 
Like it's her hanging out with her friends. They have this boy band group and they are building towards kind of uh, seeing them in concert. And then she has this really like rough moment. What was her like kind of breaking point in the first quarter? I kind of forget. I watched this today, by the way. I mean, I don't know what rough moment you're thinking of. I guess you might be thinking of. So they're they're building up the money to go see this boy band uh, by hustling the uh, panda. No, but I mean, prior to the hustle, like, so her turning into the panda, I would say, is kind of the first arc, I guess, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the first breaking point is when she turns into the panda. She goes to sleep and she wakes up as a giant fucking panda and she starts freaking the fuck out and uh, her mother (laughs) thinks she's having her period. (laughs) And that's that's when all the period jokes start. Exactly. So, but but leading up to that, like, what were the stressors? Is that already whenever she like went to the convenience store and all that kind of shit? Was that night why? Like, what happened? Yeah, I'd have to assume that's like most of uh, why she was so emotionally distressed. Uh, so it makes mm-hmm. sense that that's when the this panda that comes out when you're emotional would uh, rear its head. Exactly, and he, and still holds true for like the mental illness metaphor because like a lot of the time it is that kind of like breaking point in your that, that teenage was, years that was her that was her breaking point she wrote about it in uh mm-hmm. my twisted panda yeah it's true <laughs> she said, these these pandas they will never accept me <laughs> <laughs> but the, then right. so the i think the the initial kind of uh, i guess 10 minutes 15 minutes is well done in the sense of okay you get knows this is a snot nose fucking well-to-do kid but also has this um like job i guess because of her ancestry and uh, family business of the running the temple in toronto so she also has to work more than like her friends do and they're kind of resent her being like oh she's so brainwashed by her mom she's such a goody two-shoes whereas we don't have to do that which is a real thing especially in like toronto or other uh, multicultural cities where you have like the white kids that are just like oh what do you mean like mom and dad let us play go skateboarding and shit like that whereas like the fucking immigrant kids are like what the fuck are you doing don't you those kids are probably smoking weed all the time like just you have to go to your karate class you have to go to your piano class and then you come home and you study and (laughs) and all that kind of shit so that struggling between those two lives was is a real thing to depict and they're good on pursuing that as a narrative I do remember like actual experiences like that as a kid where it would piss me off because my mother was mm. a very like hands off parent where like I could kind of just go outside and like do shit uh, yeah, pretty much uh, without limit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it would always piss me off. Well, it was other other white friends too, mostly uh, surprisingly enough mm. uh, that uh, just their parents were like super strict and like they couldn't come outside a lot and like there were i was always just just so pissed because it's like i want to i just want to hang out with my friends man let them come out let them play mm-hmm. what the fuck they that did they do to you you motherfuckers yes yeah. it's true and sometimes the kids would just use that as an excuse too and i've been guilty of that just been like oh my mom oh shit like <laughs> oh my god candor just retextualized yeah. my whole childhood oh no <laughs> Not necessarily that's always the case, but if if especially if you've seen face to face, like the the parents be like, "Well, no, they're not allowed," or like they just went out yesterday, so they're not allowed today. Then it's like, "Well, that's your style." Yeah, I don't know, man. But uh, I'm trying to think of other. Oh, I, I was gonna mention. Uh, I really like. I, I'm 
a fan of like really stupid jokes like they get me every time and i think i laughed mm-hmm. really hard when the whole joke about uh, the boy band is that they're called four town but there's five of them <laughs> i only realized that at the very end i was actually asking like my girlfriend like, what the fuck like what because like that i was like okay there's the, those four and then like the black main guy came out and then he's like the fifth guy and i was like what the fuck but then that just draws the backstreet boys uh parallel together too which they also made homage to when they were like oh this guy is so cool and like everyone has their favorite and then they were like oh and these two other guys are cool too because every boy band has like the two people that are like uglier like <laughs> not the focus of uh, attention yeah like these three <laughs> guys are so awesome and these other guys pretty mm-hmm. cool yeah it was like the like the one direction guys i guess that's even after your time but or before your time oh no no no! i definitely was like in middle high school when one direction was popping so like one direction would have zane and harry styles and i guess the main guy nile and then the other two are kind of like those reject guys so the same yeah i literally those are the three names that i remember (laughs) i do not remember the other (laughs) member's name Mm -hmm. i actually uh my math teacher rickrolled a girl once using one direction (laughs) cute (laughs) that math teacher was with it it was really, it was really funny because like it was just after they, they had broken up. That's actually vicious. Really? That's vicious. That's actually mean. That's unprofessional. <laughs> but she, she was like 16, 16, 17 at least, right? That's fair. <laughs> yeah, 15, 16, something like that. If she's like 14, that's like abuse, essentially. <laughs> that's so mean. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. Sick pleasure. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> the teacher dashing the dreams of a young... <laughs> mid-pubescent girl. <laughs> mid-pubescent. <laughs> but I, I think that one of the early, at least, like, very Kino scenes was that, um, the, first off, the drawing of, like, the guy and being like, oh, like, all gross, like, perversion. Like, I was telling my girlfriend, I'm like, oh, she's, like, right before she went under the bed, I was like, she's going to do some fucked up shit. Like, I don't know why I'm watching this, because I thought she was going to fucking... Uh, Flick the bean, so to speak. <laughs> you thought she was going to start jerking off in this PG Pixar movie? And that's and that's why, like, you know, the parallel of the puberty thing, right? It's not just just because it's girls doesn't mean it's all about menstruation. It, there is that element, too, and the boy craziness. So I was like, what the fuck is, is this happening? <laughs> Steven Universe is real. She was start jerking okay. off in this <laughs> Pixar movie? Oh, no. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, it was drawing. Essentially kind of the same... Uh, thing except on DeviantArt, but that was fucking hilarious. And then she came in, and then she gave she gave the tell and everything. It was cute to see, like you know, the parenting of like reading through the subtle cues and all that kind of stuff too. And then that escalation was hilarious. And the kid, the fucking Tyler kid, being at the <laughs> at the convenience store or pharmacy or whatever, and then being like, "Oh, it's her, yeah." <laughs> Egging it on is the funniest shit ever. He's the best character for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like Tyler. Um, Jack in the chat uh, just said uh, that apparently people wanted Encanto to have an incest sex scene. I don't know if that's true, Jack. I'm gonna need a, I'm gonna need a source on that. that no, one. people said it. <laughs> no, don't worry about the source, bro. Trust him. Yeah, <laughs> source, do trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, we're friends, right? Trust me. <laughs> 
But um, yeah, that was that that scene was really good. I just really liked this whole movie. Like there were scenes where I cringed, obviously, but most of it was just really cute and fun. Like mm. I, I I don't get I don't get a lot of the criticism that people are giving this film. Like people are saying it's like pedo shit, which really? I suppose there I, is like a a lot of twerking, but like like thirteen year old life, it's not thing that doesn't happen. And it's not sexual. But not in 2002. Right? Not in 2002, though. And I think it is inherently Does this movie take place? No? Yeah, man. Yeah, you missed that. In 2002? Yeah, that's why there's no, there, there's no smartphones. Remember, they're texting on the fucking bricks and shit like that. Yeah, man. Okay, cuties. And, uh, so, Jack, okay. cuties is different because it was like, it was real little girls. That it was inherently sexualized, and that was the whole point of the film. True, but the the dance of twerking is inherently sexual. Yeah, it might not be done for those reasons in that population, but it is definitely concerning. I would not uh, be keen to have my child do that kind of shit. Yeah, I think other than that, though, uh, uh, the complaints weren't really warranted. I think like people were pissed that there was. Uh, that Tyler wasn't, like, openly transgender. Like, they wanted that to be the end of the film. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Because I, I thought the the whole, the big, uh, I guess, like, SJW thing people would criticize would be the Indian girl and the goth girl being gay, or, like, hinting at that. Were they hinting at that? Yeah, man. Whenever she, like, was uh, talking about the, the music or something, or, like, she was doing the interpretive dance, and the goth girl guy was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's totally mortality. And she's like, yeah. And then later on, they were like yeah. dancing together or something. But it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. over the top. And it was completely reasonable. But people yeah, that, that, that's nice. But people were just like, oh, they had like this sort of awakening with Tyler at the end of the film. They should have made him openly transgender. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, because all male male One Direction fans are secretly. <laughs> oh shit! Trying to be Uh-oh. women. <laughs> yeah. And they even went so far to make him like identify with that like the basketball guy uh, at the end. Also, the boy band intros were fucking Kino too. The first, the first guy is the douchebag, whatever. My my girlfriend was saying that I, I was just like him. And then there was like a basketball sports guy, then the sensitive <laughs> animal rescue guy, and then which like, I guess like the, the sensitive guy who was kind of like a K-pop uh, analogy with the curtain hair and all of that. He was played by Billie Eilish's brother. And Billie Eilish, I guess, like, well, the duo team of her and her brother made that, made their songs. Wait, uh, Billie Eilish was involved in the music of this movie? Yeah, she created it. Her and the brother. Damn, I didn't know that. Like, wrote it. That's pretty pretty wild. Who... Who like was it anybody who's actually significant or was it just like some the voice? I think it would have been yeah, exactly voice actors. Like it still has that cartoonish like boy band sound, but apparently like Billie Eilish and her brother wrote the actual music. Wrote the music, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that the mother turns into a fucking kaiju panda. Yeah, yeah, that that was the best. That was a great like little visual gag when she's like, "What you gonna do? Ground me?" And then it's just like looming in the background. Yeah, yeah, they're like, "What? What's she gonna do? Ground me?" <laughs> and then the fucking kaiju shows up. 
See, but that actually does remind me of one of the things because every time they would do one of those ah ha 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 like uh, jarring gags, the fucking jelly bean mouth was really jarring. Like maybe I was primed by like the backlash beforehand, but I think objectively it was bad. But Riley, do you think that are are you overcompensating because of like the baseless hate that you might like this more than you would have liked it if there was no hate? Um, I suppose that's possible. Like, I'm not going to give myself like, uh, like a crazy amount of credit and be like, no, I would never have a biased opinion about a movie. Uh, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I think I, I, it was mostly, I didn't even see most of the backlash. Like before I had watched it, it was just like, people are like, oh, this movie's bad because X, 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 pedo yeah. shit, X, 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 uh, Cal arts. And I'm like, okay, uh, let's see what I'm about. Um, and I wa- I watched it. This is not this is not like when I reviewed Cuties when it came out. And I like the whole bit was like I was trying to justify its existence and just like uh, talking myself out of it the entire time. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I I think <laughs> I was just, going into it. I I wanted to do something similar, like to what you're saying. Like I wanted I wanted to like it because I was like, hey, the, the, it can't be that bad. It's Pixar, but. And I still definitely liked it better than I thought. And my girlfriend thought the same thing. And it's nice to see Toronto uh, depicted. But it is rough that it was this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so I watched, uh, to compare it to another uh, Pixar experience, which I believe is more well-received, um, Soul, uh, which was the Pixar movie that came out in 2020. Kino, very Kino, um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 a lot of people say Kino, and like I went into this, during like the first 30 minutes of the film, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to like this much as Soul. Uh, but by the end, this is, <laughs> this is an unfortunate uh, take to a lot of people. I think I did enjoy this more than I enjoyed Soul. Jeez. Well, you know what? I, no accounting for taste, first off. And second off, that's your, your enjoyment of this movie and I guess you still enjoyed Soul, but not as much as this movie. That doesn't take away from anything that I did not like about this movie or liked about Soul. Why should it matter? Yeah, certainly. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll talk about Soul on this show someday. But I watched it so long ago, I'd probably have to watch it again. Um. Soul is also like a movie that hits different like after like 25. Uh, that's that's probably true. I actually, the whole reason I watched Soul is just because, like, I was listening to a bunch of episodes of Is It Kino? And, like, mm-hmm. sometimes I listen to Is It Kino without having seen the movie. But then I looked at the Soul mm-hmm. one. I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to, I have access to Disney+. Plus. I kind of want to watch it before I listen to this. So I watched mm-hmm. Soul, so I, specifically so I could listen to the Is It Kino episode about it. And nice. it ended up being pretty good, so I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, like, I, I think Kino Corner doesn't really have much to offer to me per- uh, personally, but I think that uh, Monkey's Take was kind of on, on the mark, and it is very... Kino Corner wasn't even there it... for Soul. It was him and Florian. Which... <laughs> oh, it was old? Shit. Well, that was just... Like it wasn't that. old, was old. It was like a year ago, and, was, and Florian was yeah. still on the show. But it was like, maybe it was phasing in and out. But the... Yeah, no. Uh, it's. I think it's, it's wild to have in a purported kids movie it wasn't really a kids movie but the fact that like you know sometimes you have accomplished enough in life to move on like that's fucking dark and cerebral 
Yeah, the soul was dark as fuck. Yeah, that was, uh, it definitely had some dark themes, which is why I'm kind of a guy who goes into movies for fun. Like, I can get into, mm-hmm. like, a dramatic movie and, like, have a really good time with it. But at the end of the day, if a movie provides me just, like, a really fun time, I'm probably going to hold it in a more positive regard generally. And I think that's mo- mm-hmm. mostly my comparison with Turning Red and Soul here, where it's like, yeah, Turning Red was just really fun. And, like, I had a smile on my face the whole time. So I kind of yep. hold it in higher regard. But you didn't know about the uh, the mental health parallels. <laughs> That's true. Uh, all all that these makes it quite movies have their crazy dark parallels, yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but with Soul, and it was Soul- much more outward. That's right. But Soul was, in a way, very similar to Wreck-It Ralph, with that little pixie girl virus being the new Soul, and then old like Wreck-It Ralph being like, all right, let me... I'm not gonna, or I'm willing to sacrifice myself for this, like, little demon that's misunderstood, blah, 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 to finally get their role. You feel? I do feel. Man, I haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph since it was out in theaters. It's, it's been a long time. I think I only watched it the one time, too. People were talking about the sequel recently, but I haven't seen that. I have not seen Ralph Breaks the Internet at all, and I'm scared that it's going to be completely fucking cringe garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. That's just the... It could, it could be great. Body. Yeah. I know they, like, make fun of memes and shit, so it's like, oh, God, this is Pixar trying to tackle the Internet and memes and social media. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. I don't want to watch way. this. Yeah, yeah, why are you doing this? This is just Pixar's version of the Emoji Movie, oh no. Yeah. (laughs) Which I still haven't seen either. I I have not watched the Emoji Movie either, yeah, that's true. Maybe maybe for this show, maybe that'll be when I finally pop my Emoji Movie cherry. I'll get like one of my friends and we'll meme on Emoji Movie for an hour. Press X in the chat if you want to see Emoji Movie Review on Riley Street. Yes, press X in the chat for Emoji Movie Review. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, the kaiju fight was pretty funny. Um, the I liked the whole spirit realm thing where they separate for the... Um, this movie had a lot of cool shit in it, is basically what I'm yeah. saying. Are there any uh, scenes that you haven't mentioned yet that you guys particularly being like cringe or bad that you like kind of didn't enjoy? The ones uh, we were talking about looking before were the main the main issues. Oh, Greg! Greg's wants to see that uh, review. Hell yeah! But anyway, continue, Kendar. Um, but those are the main gripes I've had with it. Um, I think overall, it's a solid... It's a solid? <laughs> solid movie. Like, uh, I guess just not my demographic again, but that doesn't excuse nah. everything. I would just say... Yeah, it's, certainly. I understand. It's, ten for me. It, it's like that uh that uh review on Twitter that got really memed uh, uh where somebody like did a little Twitter review of turning red and they're like, This movie was made for a very 
your particular audience. If you're part of this audience, it might work for you. It did not work for me. <laughs> and <laughs> people kept like copy pastaing it and attaching it to different Pixar movies. <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, but anyway, uh, unless there's any other particular stuff uh, we want to talk about, give me one moment. Oh, I guess we never went in depth on uh, the girl uh, uh, <laughs> betraying her friends. Yeah, and just yeah, that was fucking completely fucking them over. I, I guess they they did handle it kind of nice in the sense of like you know the girl secretly cared about her and was doing the Tamagotchi thing. Um. Like, even though she was outwardly angry at her and, and trying to exile her, but she was like, oh, you know what? I just did care for your Tamagotchi, so we're all good now. And I'm like, I was like, okay, that's kind of stupid, but it does represent, you know, secretly you care about the people, even if you outwardly are uh, not ready to forgive them and stuff like that. Damn, Rory's yeah. having an existential crisis in chat. He doesn't know why he exists. <laughs> to tell you to tell me that Dungeons and Dragons is shit. Yeah, that's your whole purpose in life, Rory. <laughs> it's unfortunate, really. <laughs> oh god, he's starting a list. Fuck. Hey. Uh, <laughs> the one, I don't care. Fair. Fair enough, Rory. Um but uh I think my, my favorite uh, yeah, moment think... was probably the the under under the bed kind of uh, drawings and like that uh, cringe and then yeah I guess th that was probably the best the best moment and the aunties the aunties like uh, squatting up was kind of cute too. Okay, uh, so I guess we'll go into the wrap up questions then because we're already starting yeah, to fine. get there. Um, so uh, favorite character uh, in the film, Candor. Um, Tyler, hundred percent. Easy. That's fair. <laughs> uh, very maybe, good character. Maybe the I enjoyed him as well. And then maybe like the barbarian girl, <laughs> second runner up. <laughs> the, the feral girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about me? yourself? Uh, most movies glom onto a character that's not the main character, and I give them the nod. I think Maymay was a very solid main character. <laughs> I, I enjoyed watching her antics throughout the film i was i was a fan so i'll, I'll give the nod to may may um as for favorite scene i think my favorite scene uh is definitely a hard choice because there were a lot of good moments in this film uh that i could give the nod to um hmm i guess the uh well, no, because there's too much weird twerking in that scene. I was going to give it to the kaiju fight, but <laughs> that one got a little weird. Um, that was a good, I guess the, was like, a good animation and things. Go on. Yeah, definitely. I guess it was the, the hustling the panda montage with like the music video and like the collecting of the money and the, the like quick uh, covert switch from uh, panda to mathletes. I thought that was that was fun to watch. I... I think that scene uh, was probably uh, my favorite sequence in the film. Uh, what about you, Kandor? Uh, uh, favorite sequence? Probably the 
opening no i'm kidding <laughs> probably the yeah like the oh. drawing the dirty drawing quote-unquote uh, animation and then like the shame of uh, everyone laughing at her and everything and like her mom has no idea what's going on so much so secondhand <laughs> embarrassment it's so yeah, powerful yeah. I, i'm really bad at secondhand embarrassment like in most most things like i'll like cover my eyes sometimes but here i thought it was deserved because this bitch should have risen up and said hey what the fuck are you doing <laughs> way earlier so it she deserved the punishment of that embarrassment so i was fine yeah she should have she should have put more effort to being like hey stop this isn't true <laughs> no mm -hmm. don't do this you'll ruin my life entirely yeah <laughs> Uh, but, uh, okay, what, what, so I guess... Yeah, I guess... I was gonna say, who's your favorite of the friend group? Well, I mean, uh... Outside of the main character. Probably the Braces girl. I mean, the other yeah. two had their, like, funny moments, but I think Braces girl was the biggest of a character out of those four. You, you know what? Actually, someone on Twitter informed me that being set in 2002 the indian girl being obsessed with the twilight stand-in is inaccurate because twilight wasn't published yet oh shit i think it was <laughs> just like a, a stand-in for harry potter but they wanted it to be more like you know middle school girl edgy trying to be more grown up and whatever because it's harry potter's for kid stuff i guess but uh yeah it, it did mess with the chronology yeah, that's a that's an epic movie fail Easter egg. Fun fact. Mm -hmm. uh, but a rate to film out of ten. Uh, so I know uh, to preface this, I'm usually very generous with this. Like I'm bad at rating mm -hmm. films low. Um, and uh, for turning red, that, wait, I think actually, I'm gonna wait, give it a solid. I was gonna say prior to prior to your rating, with that in mind, would you say like your nine out of ten would be most people's like? Eight out of ten, your seven out of ten would be most people's six. Or can we can we give a, a framework there prior to your rating, or is it not? Uh, that? I'd say I'd say that's probably accurate in a lot of cases. Not always though. Mm -hmm. No rhyme or reason. No, no rhyme or reason. It's just a. Uh, it's why I'm terrible at rating things out of ten. And I generally avoid it. Uh, but uh, for my movie podcast in particular, it kind of just became a thing I started doing. Um, you gotta do it. Go for it. I'll give it an 8. I had a good time. Uh, it's not some insane 10 out of 10 masterpiece by any means. It was a fun so Pixar film. I had a really good time. 8 out of 10. How does that reflect on your rating of Soul, then? Uh, Soul is probably not too far behind. Like It might also be an 8, maybe a 7.5, uh, but it's probably also an 8. If it was in the same, same rating, then I'd then that's fair enough. But yeah, for me, this would be a, a 6 out of 10. Although I, I was going in expecting a 4 or below. So definitely exceeds expectations. Was a fun film. And if I was a girl, probably it would be at least maybe a 7 out of 10. I blanketly just saying that with no actual knowledge. How did, your, uh, so mm -hmm. how did your girlfriend feel about the film? <laughs> She also was not impressed with it, but it was like for both of us, oh, okay. it's cool to see Toronto depicted like all that multicultural stuff. Like I'm sure a lot of like cringe people will be like, "Oh, why are they shoehorning all this like multiculturalism? Why does this girl have a hijab?" Toronto is like one of the most multicultural, if not the 
behind New York City, like cities in the world. So like all that stuff is above board. She probably would have got razzed for being Chinese a little bit more, but still, like the diversity oh. was not forced and is very accurate. Especially this is post SARS, so I think they were talking about uh, some things. I think they made some vague allusion to SARS because SARS was big in uh, Toronto. Uh, at the time of 2002, 2001, or some, something like that. So I was surprised what they didn't SARS again? more. Is that a, is that a sickness? Like, yeah, it's a respiratory sickness. It's actually uh, COVID-19 is actually SARS. Oh, shit. COVID-2 or something like that. So it's like the second big uh, thing. It's basically essentially very similar to COVID. It's the virus, respiratory, lots of ICU uh, kind of stuff so it's interesting that they didn't bring that to the foreground and i'm glad they didn't because they could have just ham-fisted try to bring like hey it's relatable yeah they could have just ham-fisted covid propaganda yeah. into it and they didn't thankfully exactly but the moment I, somebody I wears was... a mask in a pixar movie it's over i think i just it's end game it game over yeah no it, it was a nice it was nice to see our city represented and uh I was trying to probe her to give more points uh, for this podcast, but it didn't seem like she especially resonated with the kind of Chinese um, background just because it is especially, you know, their family owns a temple, all this kind of stuff. So it's very ingrained versus just a casual kind of Chinese person in Toronto that's still in touch with their culture. But it it was nice to see the city out. It was nice to see that era because that's kind of when I grew up around that same uh, time. Like I was a little bit younger than this person i don't think like grade seven people grade eight people had cell phones back in that era i think that was like mid-2000s onwards where they started giving uh people that weren't kind of teenagers or were barely teenagers the cell phones but minor gripe minor gripe yeah uh i don't know i didn't even know this movie took place in 2002 so it wasn't really in your face with the time <laughs> period it was just kind of yeah. like yeah this is a movie uh, and it takes place in a, a sort of nebulous time. Yeah, Even I guess, it was I guess they do say the year straight up. I just didn't hear it. Well, they do. The what really made me um, conscious of it was in the when they were doing the videotapes. First off, it's on a home video thing and not like a cell phone, right? And but then in the corner it says like 2002, like the date and all that kind of stuff. So that's when I was like, oh, okay, oh, that makes shit. more okay. sense. And you'll notice, like, there isn't a lot of TikTok, YouTube talk, like, there would be in other uh, settings of the modern time. And the actually, uh, Easter egg is the Sky Dome where they have um, the big concert. That was is basically our biggest arena and is right beside um, the CN Tower, which is our biggest kind of claim to fame. And it's uh, where we host, like, the uh, a lot of the baseball games, stuff like that. But it was, it's now called the Rogers Center because of a telecommunications company. But back then it was called the Sky Dome. So even them calling, them, calling it the Sky Dome ages it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, certainly. Um, so uh, anything else about Turning Red we want to discuss before I start wrapping things up here? Um, I don't know. How, how do you think uh, being a man affects your identification or appreciation of this movie? I think I could kind of just like put myself in like my middle school shoes and like what I perceived of uh, young teenage girls at that time and sort of just secondhand relate to it. You know what I mean? Because like I'm, I'm young enough that I do like remember my interactions with girls in middle school and like still remember like their personalities and the way that they uh, would conduct themselves. And I could sort of secondhand relate and be like, oh, yeah, I've 
I've been around this before. This is very real, uh, based on what I know. Uh, mm. So I don't think I don't think being a man was too much of a uh, big deal uh, when it comes to relating to the movie. I of course didn't directly relate really to it, but I could definitely put myself in a place uh, where I could feel a sort of relation to it. Fair enough, and yeah, I think the the, the themes of like friendship female or male were there it was cute i think one one thing when the guy's like oh what the hell's what's wrong with her what's wrong with you may and she's like nothing's wrong with you oh like well, get get the fuck out of here and she's like wait what's wrong what's actually wrong with you <laughs> and stuff like that like that kind of protection yeah. <laughs> from outsiders it was a cute a cute moment too uh yes but certainly I think, yeah the main the main themes of like puberty and stuff yeah sure maybe if you're like getting your period you're most rather like talk to your mom than your dad and stuff like that and the mom daughter relationship is core here which i can't relate to but overall things are pretty generalizable especially with those analogies to like mental illness or stress and kind of breaking under your parents shadow for goody two-shoes kids especially because if you're not necessarily getting the best grades and you're not doing going across the plan that your parents have illustrated for you then it would be less of a big deal but for those nerdy kids then i can imagine the big coming of age moment the first time you say no to your mom, which which happened in this movie. Yeah, she goes off on her mom in the uh, the kaiju scene. Uh, she yeah. starts like jump. She starts like jumping around, switching between panda and girl, and like talking shit. And it was a really a really powerful scene. And and now in Riley, this has been something that was brought up in the monkey server, and it wasn't wrong. They said they defeated the mom in the movie by twerking at her can we disagree with you <laughs> that is true <laughs> yeah, that is a irrefutable <laughs> fact <laughs> i do in fact it's, like it yeah is what it is. i'm cool <laughs> now look at my fucking trendy dance moves and the mother's just like horrified yep. so i think that's really funny and I also think it's quite funny that they have like the tiger mom Asian parent being like, oh, what are you listening to this filth? And it's like boy band music, which is like, <laughs> just go- goes to show every generation the music. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the but Jonas yeah, I Brothers guess are no good for you. Uh, the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I guess that's about it. I do want to. I do want to mention. I know I did say last time uh, that we were going to talk about the Batman, <laughs> and I probably oh, still will at some shit. point. I just can't afford a movie ticket right now, so this is a new movie that I could just watch on Disney Plus uh, because nice. I'm stealing. I'm stealing my mom's ex boyfriend's mother's Disney Plus. <laughs> Jeez, why are you? Do- you can't dox that right now. You're going to get removed from privileges. Oh shit! Yeah, my mom's ex boyfriend's <laughs> mother listens He's to listening this podcast. Right now. I'm pretty sure that's. Je- I think that's Gel Streams in the chat, right? Oh, why? Why? Why are they mod? If that's the case, well, oh, no. you have a very close relationship with your family, and I respect it. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we'll probably talk about the Batman. I don't know about next time. Financials are kind of fucked right now. Oh. I know it's going to be in theaters forever because it's a superhero, so it's going to keep making money, and they're going to mm-hmm. leave it in the theaters for like two months. So I'll get around to the Batman. Uh, for now, uh, I'm trying to think of what we might do next time. I don't know if Jack's still here. Uh, maybe I can do like a Power Rangers review with him, uh, mm. or or if not, you know, I'll pick something. I'll figure it out. 
Um, if I you want to hear, I might want to. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say I might I might want to pay you for a role on measly few podcast in the near future. <laughs> okay, damn. The, the price of an admission, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, gotta, but gotta, uh, gotta feed the community forward. But go on. Of course, of course. Uh, but I think that's about it uh, for our show today for the Riley Live Movie Review Podcast. I have been Riley, and I have been Red. And we will see you all next time for another movie. <laughs> see you Once later. I get to where I can... Red. <laughs> It, for all the females in the audience, uh, it's unfortunate that you have to turn red. <laughs> you know, we as male uh, feminists at the Riley Streams audience, we <laughs> empathize and we will do everything to support you. If you have a Venmo, drop it. We Uh-oh. Riley has more than enough money going around to support you. Queens. Yeah, I'm a rich <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> drop your OnlyFans in chat. <laughs> wow, don't assume, Riley. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, do you think May May? Do you think May May would have an OnlyFans right now? I hope. I hope not. Age thirteen. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, twenty years after the fact, mid thirties sounds about right. You know, she gets the furry audience. She gets the Asian audience. Oh shit, dog! <laughs> oh, that's all. She's gonna be number one, bro. Yeah. She's got a quarter. Running up the numbers. She's got the furries. The <laughs> Belle Delphine. <laughs> Oh, shit. All right. (laughs) We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.